Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Interchange was founded inside of Bond, the embedded finance company. This podcast is a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. Our guest today is Amr Wayne, CEO at I2C. I2C is one of the leading issuer processors in the space with a robust set of features from basic card issuance, buy now, pay later, and even cryptocurrency use cases. We cover Amir's journey as an immigrant entrepreneur in the US, what I2C does and where processors fit into the puzzle of fintech and how I2C has grown into the processing behemoth it is today while maintaining a nimble culture and empowering the next generation of fintech entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy our interchange. Let's get to know you, Amr, on a little more personal level and kind of go back and Give us at least a thumbnail sketch of kind of your past and what even got you into finance. You know, were there some entrepreneurial bugs as a kid? Kind of tell me the the armor story leading up to the the founding of I2C. One thing I miss out on is that I've never had a job. So I've often, especially earlier on in my career, as I manage people, I've been thinking, have I missed the viewpoint of an employee, you know, uh, reporting to a manager because I my first job was my own company. Does that go back to your your childhood? Were your parents that way? Did where do you think that entrepreneurial kind of maybe even unemployable nature comes from? My dad had to start from scratch. He was an entrepreneur. He he built a reasonable business, and I I saw him do that. And one of the things that he was always you know he was very customer focused and and his customers used to love him and 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 there was just this tremendous amount of trust they had in him you know I, I didn't even think about the consequences as to what will happen if the business didn't work or anything it was just like you know let's find an exciting idea and and go after it what uh portion of your family immigrated here was it you just me yeah i was born in pakistan and i um Moved to the U.S. Uh, pre-internet email days uh, to go to college. Um, so after high school, I, I came to the U.S. to go to college, um, and I did my computer science and engineering. And uh, then I went back to Pakistan, and I set up my first business in Pakistan. Was it your first or your second business that was the outsourced development business? Yeah, so when I was, you know, final year of college, it was a, a part-time business. Me and, a, and a, a friend of mine, we were doing bespoke development. And, and to give you an idea of our first project was creating a distributed database for uh, a broker that had offices in Hong Kong, New York, you know, different markets. And they had inventory from those different markets and they wanted a centralized view of the inventory so their staff and their customers could kind of inquire on product. So that was more not a formal company, but two people just kind of taking on projects of um, small to medium scale. And, you know, then we started doing projects for the Ministry of Finance and a lot of projects in the finance area. The Central Bank of Pakistan, we did about six, seven projects for them. Um, so we started 
getting deeper and deeper into finance. Obviously, you know, custom development is not a very scalable model, but that's where we started. And then we started thinking about building a product. And we wrote our first um, ATM management system, and it had a card management module with it. But this was to be deployed on-premise. That was the model at that time. You license the software, then you pay the maintenance on an annual basis. And we sold quite a bit. And, you know, Eastern Europe was opening up. So there were lots of banks looking for basic infrastructure. So we had a lot of success in, in that market. And everything that we had learned working in the financial services, we were going to take that learning, but then write the platform for the next generation of financial services that may not be defined today. So when, when we set our goal to be trying to put a platform together for the next generation, we had two options. Either we took a guess on what the next generation is going to look like and write that platform and hope that we were right. Mm -hmm. Or we could say, okay, we don't know what it's going to look like, but based on our experience of financial services, we can think of some core services or building blocks that would be needed. So let's build those building blocks. Let's put a framework that allows you to pick up those building blocks and then compose a user journey. Let's also keep in mind what's important in financial services as far as reliability, availability, scalability, security. So those are going to be basic requirements of anything that we do. And, and really, I, I think the amount of abstraction in the design that we put in initially made our job extremely hard to actually deliver something. But I, 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 I cannot say more for that initial effort in, in, in introducing that level of abstraction because 20 years on, that design still holds and actually puts us as the leading processor in this space today, world over. I love the idea of almost, you know, using the the metaphor of Lego blocks, right? You can hand a hundred Legos to this person and they'll build something. And then you hand a hundred Legos to this person and they build something totally different. What were what were some of the things in the early days that people were using those those Lego blocks to build? I know today it's so robust that I will get to that. But what were some of the early things that people were using I2C for? So prepaid was an area which was a truly emerging market. You know, people were thinking, OK, how do I use prepaid? OK, gift card is one use case. A rebate card is another. Or let's do a general purpose. Let's do this. And, and these big players. They were like, this is too small of a market, too fragmented. And, you know, their systems were written to do something, you know, like credit processing. That's what it did. So there was a market opportunity for us to sell. So I would say our initial customers were more us thinking as to where is the space in the market where we can establish ourselves and grow our business, not based on technology issues, but purely based on the the wide space in the market. And and we went after prepaid initially. And, and the reason I say that is that there's nothing that has changed that the platform couldn't have done for credit back those days. 
or, or some of the other use cases. It was by design as a go-to-market strategy as to what particular areas are we going to go after. So, you know, an emerging market is a good place for new entrants to go because there are no established winners yet. The requirements aren't set. There's a lot of new people coming into it. And, and it provides opportunities for new players to come in and establish credentials. And that's exactly what we did. And, and from, you know, from the very early days, we anyone who wanted to do something different, I2C had develop this reputation of if, if you want to do something different that others can't do, go to ITC. So that was good. That is a good yeah. reputation to have. How how big was the team at that point than you when you were focused on prepaid? Because now you're you know you're managing a lot of people across all these time zones. It's a very it's a fully robust organization. But I know yeah. You know, and you're still very scrappy, but I think it, it was even scrappier back then. How, how many folks did it take to build kind of that first version? Yeah. So, I mean, we, because there were two other successful businesses before I2C, so we had uh, internal funding to build what I would call an infrastructure business. And, and we knew that, that if we get into the SaaS business, we can't be 50 people and say we will run a 24 by 7 business. So from the get-go, we had about 300 people. And and not all of them were in engineering, but including product support, et cetera. So the initial footprint of I2C was significant. And and to me, that was like, if I'm going to honestly tell someone that you can run your 24-7 business on us, I, I can't do it with 50 people or 100 people. I just can't fill all the critical positions. Did you raise... Did you raise outside capital to be able to do this or was this kind of just building and building and building from the early days and kind of reinvesting in the business? Yeah. So the, um, the first business, you know, has been, has had like 26 plus years, quarter over quarter profitability, you know, cash flow positive. So we, we got a lot of funding from the, from the first business they funded, uh, and actually provided quite a few resources um, that were repurposed from from development perspective, and we were able to retain some of the experience that we had. And and that was just a crude investment over a period of time. So it wasn't really in, in cash. It was more in, in terms of providing resources and so on. Um, so, yes, it, it did take a lot of money, but we did not raise any external uh, money. And, and um, I, you know, I would say the, the cost advantage that we had uh, of having an engineering team in Pakistan was also very helpful. I love the I love the creativity almost of kind of how you bootstrapped it without bootstrapping it. And you, you kept growing and growing and growing without having to, you know, have too many external folks telling you what to do or too many different folks on the cap table. Like that's a really it's a creative way to grow a business to this size. You don't see that much these days. Now there are some industries where people know this is a five, 10 year, you know, investment and people come with a different mindset for tech startups. That wasn't the, the thinking. So, you know, for us to be able to make long-term decisions and not report on a quarterly profitability was absolutely, I think great freedom and, and ability to make good decisions. And it has created the staying power, right? Your your yeah. ability to weather, 
I mean, based on when you all started, you've weathered a number of financial storms, not just 2008, but also I think the dot com crisis. I mean, you've been through you've been through the ups and the downs and you're still here and even more robust as a result, it feels like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there wasn't the slightest dip, even if you plot us in 2008 and, and every crisis, we have continuously grown. And we show this internally to some of, you know, our, our large engineering teams because they get so much attention from other companies and they want to, you know, recruit them and they would offer them a, a big jump for switching. But then we remind them, look, I mean, look at year after year after year. Some of these guys, they get a project, they want to pay you, you know, twice, but then six months down the road, a year down the road, project is gone and, and the opportunity is gone. So it has been an extremely steady um, and consistent growth. Your staying power and the consistency of just knowing that you're going to be there, I think is a really powerful thing. And part of why I think Bond and I2C are partnering as, you know, processor and embedded finance company is number one, you kind of, you hinted at it and we'll get to it in a second, but the, the ability to do credit processing and debit processing, prepaid processing, all of it in one place is, is incredibly unique. And you are the world leader in that, but also just the fact that it didn't start yesterday. You know, I mean, maybe there's, there's some pros and cons with the, the length of time through some of these things, but you understand what it takes to build for the long term. And I think that can give that can give confidence to companies that you're partnering with in a way that kind of newfangled, you know, processors or this or that just probably just can't have no matter how hard they try or who they hire, I think. And and being able to see multiple generations of technology actually allows you to develop certain learnings and and see what macro trends related to what change and and why did the Apple Newton initially didn't really take off and why have the smartphones been so successful? I think there is, there is valuable insight for people who's been exposed to multiple of these dramatic changes. I would say if you, if you are a curious person, there is tremendous amount of learning. Yeah. It's almost listening to you talk. It almost makes me think of, uh, in a different life, if you were to be a venture capitalist, there's some some applicable pieces there, right? Like Webvan didn't work, but Instacart has. And there's portions of, you know, the technology that exists underlying there as to why. There's a lot of different reasons as to why. But just getting to plot that over time is a really interesting thing, which kind of brings me to my my next question and actually kind of brings us forward to today, which is... I2C as we see it today. Um, before we get too far into it, I think I should also have you, for the sake of the audience, define what is a processor. Not all processors are the same, and, and being a processor doesn't mean you all do the same. But at the core, you know, people have used processor to be, let's say, in, in issuer processing, a core system of record that is maintaining balance and applying debits and credits. That's the, you know, authorizing transactions coming in and that would lead to a debit um, or a load, a credit, et cetera. So it, it really is a ledger that operates in a, you know, high speed, high capacity, a scalable ledger. Now that's the core function. And then many people just offer that with some necessary um, add-ons. 
But from there on, it, it's a it's a whole spectrum of what a processor can be. Like our approach is that is just one Lego piece. I need to be able to account, and I don't need to think of an account as dollars and cents. It can be your loyalty points. It could be your entitlement for two days entry into the game park. It could be a discount at a retail location, right? So if you, again, the level of abstraction, why just think about dollars and cents? Why don't I just think about your your permissions or, you know, your rights or your entitlements or whatever you want to call them as to what is available to you? And then how sophisticated of business rules can I apply around access to those entitlements. So, yeah, a processor may say, well, you can apply daily spend limit of $1,000. That's one rule. But doesn't mean that, you know, that's the only rule. So, like I2C, you can have 1,000-plus custom rules that you can define on your own, and they can run in real time. Same thing. Processors have rules. Some have five, some have thousands, some have user definable. So there's a lot of nuance and variable. And when you put all processes in one bucket, you're really not doing justice. It's like saying, you know, cars. And, and you can have, if you want to be on a track, you don't want to be maybe in a, you know, smart car. You want to be in a Ferrari. So different cars have different specs, different requirements that they meet and different feature sets. And, and processors are like that too. Then besides the core, how about user journey and relationship management, retention, account servicing, efficiency? If you start thinking about processing from that angle rather than I do auth, I do API, I do those technical things are to serve a, a need. And I'd rather define those needs in business terms. Like I need something to manage my communication with my customer base, right? So now does a processor give me a tool which is event-driven, which can send personalized, customized, intelligent messages, which are contextual and timely? Because if I communicate something to you in a timely fashion, it has far more impact than if I send it to you the next day. Right? And it has to be contextual. I can't be sending you something which is of no interest or is irrelevant at that moment in time. Now, you know, uh, I2C has such a module, and that's just one example. So you think about the, the business needs, and then you kind of try to build capabilities. And, and that is how our processing roadmap has evolved. There is no definition. We say if we do function A, B, and C, we will be a processor. Yeah, it is. It is really interesting how much creativity that you've allowed for not just, you know, the partners like Bond that are that are kind of taking taking the I2C building blocks and even it's almost like com com combining the Legos or something. It's taking a I2C Lego and a Bond Lego and putting it together and creating this ability for for those those startups and for those companies that we're talking about serving to go out and get even even more creative. It's a really, it's a very interesting thing. How did you kind of come to the decision to do, to do both credit and debit processing? Was it similar in terms of just listening and understanding that that's a need that the world has and it made sense to have it in one place? Because I think that's a very unique thing about you all outside of, as you said, the first data and a lot of the other 
organizations that are just about impossible to get a hold of. You all actually answer emails and whatnot. So <laughs> how was how was that decision kind of how did that decision come yeah. about? Yeah, just, just to finish up on the last point, I think what you talked about, Vaughn, you know, is, is very uh, true that, look, I mean, taking the same building blocks, Vaughn can create a unique composition, which is their, you know, differentiation. That's unique to Bond. Only they they create that service and so on. So not all I2C customers are the same. It, a lot of it depends on how you use those building blocks. So I, I think it's important that it's not like I have a generic thing and now all customers are the same. It's, it's a lot of creativity and differentiation is still in the hands of our customers. So as far as credit is concerned, look, I mean, the prepaid market started getting... Um, more mature, I would say, and and you know we were we were an established company. We had um, lots of uh, um, big clients and so on, and we were looking for the next. Again, not technology. It's really more of a go-to market thing as to how do we expand our business in adjacent spaces, and and we noticed that credit was becoming more and more important. Um, and and there was higher pain points that the existing processors could not meet. And we knew that the platform already could do credit. So we started about four, four and a half years ago, we started actively selling credit and, and we signed several clients and we had clients, you know, live in market for, for three years plus. So the platform was there. And, and one thing I think it's important to understand that you think of yourself as a consumer, right? You, you're not broken down into these silos of your prepaid needs and your credit needs and your debit needs and your loyalty needs. You are one customer. And if I can have one customer and entity in the platform, it makes life so much easier because I get a holistic view. I, the same Consumer entity is linked to the credit if they use it. They're linked to the prepaid. They're linked to the loyalty. Bigger banks solve that problem by having four different platforms. And then they build a middleware. And then they have this other layer that is trying to integrate all of these systems together, right? That's a big lift for most people. Yeah, BOA can do it. City can do it. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars on ITRV, yeah? But it's a big, big lift. It is it it is not very efficient. Let's say you want to add something, you gotta make sure all four of these systems sync up before you can release any new enhancement. So I2C platform has a single customer entity. And then whether you have a credit entitlement, whether you have uh, you know installment, whether you have prepaid, whether you have debit, it's all linked to the same customer, which makes it much easier. So it wasn't a big lift for I2C. It was really more of a sales and marketing initiative and and building out some service capabilities because if you're not offering a particular service, you know, like uh, statement printing and distribution is is more common in credit than in prepaid. And, And, you know, so making sure you have the connectivity into collection agencies, into the credit bureaus. So there were some things that we had to do to kind of, enable the full ecosystem, but uh, there was no real change to the core uh, platform as such. I love the way that 
the infrastructure and the building blocks and allowing for that creativity, the infrastructure is actually what's kind of propelling so much of this financial health conversation that we're having in the U.S. And to your point, it's not just a U.S. thing, right? It's yeah. a it's an international thing. Yeah. But we often think of the the brand that we're getting the credit card from or the brand that we're getting the prepaid card from as the reason that the financial health isn't great. But in a lot of cases, it's because of the infrastructure. And it sounds like in the case of the customer that you're referring to, that's an incredibly financially healthy thing that they can take, improve the life of Americans and then take it abroad. So tell me. Tell me more about kind of the international nature of what you all do. Because when I was first talking to you, I was I was mind blown. Like I, I was just pretty convinced, actually, that you don't sleep based on the fact that you cover, what, 29 time zones. I think I wrote down 216 ISO country codes. I, tell me about that experience and just what it's like to run such a international company and the importance of that. We just looked across all the cardholders in our system and said unique ISO country codes, and we got 216 different hits. And then we kind of plotted those across the, the time zones in every single time zone and pretty much every place. We, we had someone who was running off the I2C platform. It was really, really rewarding for the team because, you know, being global is part of our core values if you if you think about you know our value system there are six of them and, and being global is 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 one it's everyone wants to be part of something bigger and not think of these boundaries and and so on we want to think more um on a global nature so it was very inspiring for everyone that they come to work trying to solve a problem which is actually you know servicing consumers across the globe and so today we have four service centers. We operate 24 by 7 by 365. Um, and, and, you know, we continue our currently our business is probably still about 54% North America, which would be Canada and US. And, and the, the remaining 46% is rest of the world. So US and, and Canada are, are still big markets for us. But our footprint outside is significant. It's not 3% or 4% or 5% or 10 We are really, I mean, in, into the high 40s on our international uh, revenue. It almost feels like another another wave that you're kind of at the beginning of, right? Like with the pandemic and with everything that we've seen in terms of just the, the remote nature of work, I don't see a future where remote work and remote living is necessarily limited to one country, right? So the idea of you being able to provide the building blocks for financial products that will actually enable workers across the world to be able to not care about jumping over this state line or jumping over this country line, it, it feels like that's almost another wave that you're riding and that you're building the infrastructure for ahead of time, kind of like you said about credit. Absolutely, absolutely. Good point. And, you know, I would also say there is a big opportunity internationally, which is in the U.S., the, you know, we had 16,000 banks at one time and with some consolidation, let's say we down to 8,000 or so. Most of them, you know, are used to this uh, hosted solution where they'll just be subscribing. And internationally, the SaaS business was pretty much zero. 
because of lack of reliable, you know, players in those markets, international markets are smaller, difficult for SaaS solutions to really, you know, grow, etc. But that is changing tremendously. So while the international market is growing just as a market, the switch from on-premise to a hosted solution is creating tremendous amount of growth opportunities for I2C. So it's not like, okay, APAC is growing at 30% or 40%. It's the existing market which is converting from, from hosted to, to SaaS solutions, which is opening up opportunities, right? And that's where the flexibility of the ITC platform for us to enter a market is so much easier than, you know, one of these larger mainframe-based systems to kind of meet the in-country data requirements or configure the local regulatory rules and things of that nature. So again, I think our global growth is primarily driven by the architecture and the flexibility of the platform. It's a much lower lift for us to support a new market than, than any of our competitors. Yeah, I mean, we've we've benefited from that light lift at Bond, the ability to integrate with I2C and not have to build this from scratch, right? Even, I mean, even the idea of building portions of what we're talking about from scratch, I think are, that is just a, it's kind of like, you know, you think about the national debt, you start talking about trillions <laughs> of dollars, and I just, I don't, I can't even wrap my head around it. So I think the power of our partnership is something to to kind of lean into and maybe even talk about a little bit when you see, and you know, we're not the only one working into this world, but when you see this world of embedded finance, when you see this world of kind of what bond and I2C are able to create together, what, what gets you most excited, especially, I guess, as we're kind of focused in the U S what, what do you see as the most exciting pieces of kind of what we're going to maybe be able to unlock together in the future? Yeah. I, I think, you know, it goes back to that white space and, and an emerging market. I think with all the new players who, so who's going to solve the financial services problem? The answer isn't necessarily banks only. Banks will compete, but, you know, there are a lot more competitors in the game. And, and you know, there aren't really any big winners. The market is still emerging and that creates great opportunity for creative people and good companies to come in and establish that themselves. And that's what I'm excited about Bond and, and I2C relationship because you are absolutely providing a great service where people can come in and innovate on top of the Bond platform. You can take away anything that is non-core. An entrepreneur can walk in and focus in on their use case, on their innovative idea, and let Bond handle the rest of stuff for them. Right. And and when when you set things up in such a way, look at the the app store. I mean, so you are the app store of financial services. You are providing that ability that, you know, a single developer can now build an app and put it on the app store. Think without the app store, how would they build the distribution? How would they even sell to anyone? Well, you're not solving the distribution problem, but you're solving the infrastructure problem for those people to really build a product that they can take to market. So I, I, I think we will see many, many, many new use cases that we don't think of today. 
and and being able to enable some of those good use cases and be the first to do so, uh, Bond and I two C together would be would be great. That's a beautiful and inspiring note, I think, to end on. I think we have to just do a follow up in a in a year or so or a couple of years and see uh, see what those things turn out to be. We've already got a couple things that are, you know, on the verge of live that I think we'll be able to talk about soon. But I am similarly excited about what we can do together. And I think we're going to I think we're going to see a very different world when it comes to financial services over the next couple of years. So I appreciate our partnership. I appreciate the time and I've learned a lot talking to you and I appreciate you you sharing all the all that knowledge in your head and we're going to have to do it again so that I can pull some more out of it. Thank you, Zach. It's, it's been fun talking to you and, and, you know, we, we certainly value our relationship with bond and, and we're very excited about uh, uh, what's ahead for both of our companies. Thanks for listening to this episode of interchange with Amr Wayne, CEO at I2C. Interchange was founded inside of Bond to benefit the developers, product owners, and executives at brands working inside the next generation of financial services. We hope that you're learning, enjoying, and maybe even laughing along. We love this world, and we're passionate about every piece of it. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about, who you'd like to hear from, and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild world of fintech. If you'd like to learn more about Bond, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at Zach at Bond.tech. Let's start a conversation. Check out the show notes and the Bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating on your favorite podcast app. Until our next interchange.